0: My background is in content marketing, and I love doing that. And I don't want to say goodbye to that, you know, side of my career. But I also have a business now, so you know, having this background, especially with tech startups, is that you learn pretty bad habits when it comes to working and not having great boundaries. So I've come to this to this stage now where I'm like, okay, I am working at Co Commercial for 30 hours a week. What does that give me for my business?
1: More than 44 million Americans have a side hustle to earn extra money for living expenses, savings, and investments. Now, you might think that having a side hustle means you have a plan for quitting your job and going full-time with your business, but that's not always the case. My guest this week likes a little variety in her life. In fact, she's scheduling her life, her job, and her business to make sure she's spending her time the way she wants to. And that means not having to be a constant marketing machine. Kristen Rundvik is a holistic clinical herbalist and the founder of Log & Body Co. She's also our member experience specialist here at Co. Commercial. She has a passion for helping women optimize their health so they can live their purpose. She teaches workshops on holistic seasonal health and creates nature-based skincare products that nourish the skin and spirit. We chat about how she divides her time between life, job, and business, how she finds new customers without spending all her time marketing, why she has a love-hate relationship with Instagram, and much more. Now, let's find out what works for Kristen Rundvik. Kristen Rundvik, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to chat with you.
1: Yes. So I want to really focus this episode on how you market your business without marketing your life away, because I know that's really, really important to you. And I think it's really interesting from a business perspective too. But first, I think folks need a little bit of context because not only are you the founder of Log & Body Company, you are the member experience specialist at Co-Commercial, which means you work for me Yes, (laughs) (laughs) and do a fabulous job of it. Um, And I know that means that you've decided to dedicate a limited number of hours to your business. So can you tell us more about choosing to balance your business with a job and how much time you actually spend on building your company?
0: Yes. This is an amazing question. Um so in terms of you know running a business alongside with working, some people might think that's just like insane, but to give you like a really short background, I started my business uh, when I was working full time. And when I say I was working full time, I was working like, you know, the 50, 60 hours a week. Um, and I really just needed this outlet to have a little bit of fun. That was like three or f- three, three-ish years ago. Um, and then, yeah, when I I've, I've started school and uh, clinical herbalism school, and I'm going through this transition of um, having a business Going to school, working for you, which is also super amazing. And my background is in content marketing. And I love doing that. And I don't want to say goodbye to that, you know, side of my career, but I also have a business now. So um, you know, having this background, especially with tech startups, is that you learn pretty bad habits when it comes to working and not having great boundaries. So I've come to this this stage now where I'm like, okay, I am working at co-commercial for 30 hours a week what does that give me for my business? And for, so I've been in business for two years now and for the first, um, you know, the first year prior to even launching my business, I was working all the time. So I was working full time and then growing my business on the side of that. And then, um, yeah, I've just decided like, what does this mean to me? How can I be like this notion of being anti-hustle? Like I don't want to be working those 50, 60 hours a week. I want to be really intentional about the way that I'm approaching my business and my work. And so, um, on a practical level, I do 30 hours at co-commercial and I do 10 for my business. And most weeks look like that. Most weeks I know what I'm doing every week. I have set goals for every week. Um, and then, you know, if I have an event, like this weekend I have an event, so I'm working, you know, extra hours for my business, but most of the time I'm working just about 10 hours a week, filling in those extra hours. So I'm working that 40-hour week overall.
1: Awesome. Thank you for breaking it down like that. Um I think that's really helpful for people who are thinking about kind of the balance between maybe a side hustle or starting something while. You know, uh, paying the bills <laughs> with work yeah. that is consistent and and comfortable and and fun and and meaningful at the same time. So you mentioned that you started Log and Body Company while you were working full time, and you were also going to herbalism school. Was herbalism sort of a hobby for you before that, or did you get into it thinking? Uh, this is the business that I want to start.
0: I think it totally started as just a thing for fun. So I, I grew up in a family who uh, my aunt is like a master gardener. She uh, helped raise me when I was a small child, you know, when I was like four years old to about eight years old. And she would always take me on plant walks and pointing out all the flowers and plants Um, like native plants to uh, the Midwest where I grew up. And so the seed was planted kind of at a young age, but I didn't really get into it until um, probably my early twenties. And then once I hit my early twenties, I had just started my first job. I had just gotten out of college and I had no money. And so I was like, what am I going to do for Christmas? And I decided to make all these, you know, plant-based herbal skincare and balms and um, like bath soaks and What not to give to my family to save money and also because I was interested in it and then It's kind of that typical story where people in my family and my friends were like, oh my gosh, this is amazing You should totally sell this or like I want to buy this So I think that once someone told me that they would pay me for it. I was like what so that was kind of a a Paradigm shift for me But that was when I was in my early 20s and I wasn't really thinking about starting a business at that point because I was kind of just starting my career in content marketing um and the community management stuff. So um flash forward to about four years ago when I was just you know working all the time and I needed kind of this outlet. I you know I was working remotely and just using a lot of mind space all the time. And so having plants to work with and creating products was really fun. Um, and then I worked with a, a small group of people, um, kind of like a beta group, I, I suppose, and sent them stuff to try and then, you know, got good feedback again. And these were more like non-biased people, by the way, like these were not my family. They weren't really friends. Um, they were more like, uh, acquaintances and, and other people I knew online that didn't really know me super personally, but were willing to try my products and give me feedback. So it turned kind of from a hobby to, uh, an accidental business. And then once it turned into that, then I was like, I actually really, really enjoy this. And um, as I studied the plants more and more, I realized just how um, how connected I felt to it and how I wanted to learn more about it. Um, plants are super complex, but at the same time, super simple. And as humans, we have uh, this relationship with them that, uh, you know, We used to live more close to the land, but we just don't anymore. And we live in a really busy society. So learning more about the plants really helped me ground, especially when I was working crazy hours. Um, So it was as much for other people and helping other people live more naturally as it was for me to kind of slow down and appreciate the moment.
1: Mm. Okay, so that leads me to another question, and I swear we're going to get to marketing here in a minute. (laughs) But just so that I can be sure that I'm understanding the time that you're spending on your business. So I imagine that when anyone turns a hobby into a business, there is an element of the hobby that is lost. And there's an element of the hobby that's retained. At least I imagine this This is not my experience, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but that's how I envision it, where there's part of it, there's the sort of like doing it for fun piece of it, or that that is your outlet, as, as you mentioned, that Maybe saying that it's lost isn't the right thing, but it becomes something where you're more intentional about it, you're more strategic about it, you're thinking about it in a different way. And so that element gets lost. But I think there's also still a a passion for the subject matter and a passion for um you know i can hear it in your voice when you're talking about the plants and you're talking about our connection to them that there's an immense amount of passion that's still there so there is that kind of energy of of love and caring for this thing at the same time so when you say you work on that business 10 hours a week are you including the time that you're like in that fun part <laughs> of your of what was a hobby or Because like I see on Instagram, taking hikes and, you know, finding uh, plants to turn into your products and just kind of experimenting with your environment. Is that time that you're considering working on your business? Or is that sort of the part of this hobby that's still a hobby for you?
0: Oh, that is that is really um, a good question. Yeah. So the way that I break down my time when it comes to like the 10 hours a week, that is time that I'm either sitting um, on my computer, actually, you know, writing, marketing content, posting on Instagram, um, creating products. And and that that's not... So there's a difference between, you know, creating a new product and formulating something brand new. And then there's another thing called compounding the formula to create a batch. So essentially mm-hmm. there's a difference between... Um, you know, creating one of my facial tonics that is part of my collection. And I make the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, um, versus actually spending time being creative and coming up with a brand new idea. So I, those, I have, I have times where I fit in that kind of creating process for new products. And that is when, those weeks turn from that 10 hours to maybe 20 and I work on the weekends as well. And in terms of like the hobby aspect, to me, it's it is a hobby, but it's also a business and it's also a lifestyle. Like I really enjoy being out in nature. And but that to me is not like, okay, today I have two hours for to work on logum and I'm gonna go take a hike for two hours. Like it's not <laughs> I mean, it certainly is a, like, when it comes to my business, I definitely, you know, with growing it in the future, I definitely um, see it as an opportunity to just um, be mindful and to fit in that, that self care. But yeah, those 10, like what the answering your question when it comes to that actual time, like the time per week, and I can break this down to you and tell you like what this looks like. But yeah, the 10 hours a week is really just like marketing content, um, filling orders. And um, so I have retailers and wholesale stockists. So that's filling their orders and shipping those out and whatnot. So that is kind of like the operational aspect of keeping the business in people's uh, inboxes and on Instagram, as well as making sure that people are getting the products that they're purchasing. Mm,
1: thank you so much for sharing that, because I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think that's really helpful. Regardless of your bis- if your business is part time or full time, there is that time that, as you put it, it's the it's the operations aspect of it that's keeping it in front of people, that's making sure the right people get the right products, making sure the products get made. But then there's all this other time that is business time that is also really pleasurable time where we're in the creative process, where we're thinking strategically, where we're looking ahead. Sometimes we do it on the side of a mountain. Sometimes we do it in our office. Sometimes we do it in a coffee shop. Um, I think that it is equally work time as it is pleasure time. And that's okay too. And that I think sometimes we miss that part of the picture um, that when you're working 40 hours a week in your business, it's probably not 40 hours a week on operations. And if it is, you Probably need to reevaluate some <laughs> things. Um, so I think that's really, really helpful. And also, it kind of, to me, it kind of um, gives, again, gives some context for how your business fits into your life overall. And I love that you talk about it as hobby, business, and lifestyle, because I think that's a really important part of how you make this work. We'll find out more from behind the scenes of Kristen's business in just a bit. But first, I've got a question for you Have you left a rating and review for us on iTunes? It means the world to us to find out you're listening and to hear what you like about the show. Plus, it helps us reach more small business owners like you who appreciate the inside scoop on what's working in small business today. Now, a word from our What Works partners. Mighty Networks powers brands and businesses like yours that bring people together. Now, until recently, online business owners like us had to use an array of different platforms, all with separate audiences, to build our brands. One platform for courses, another for events, another for your content, and yet another for your community. Not only do none of these platforms work together, but forget about mobile, where we all know people are spending the majority of their time today. Now, at CoCommercial, we faced the same challenge until we found Mighty Networks. With a Mighty Network, online business owners just like you Can bring people together in one place your website your content your courses your community your events online and in real life and you can charge for them all while building your brand the best part when you're ready you can upgrade to roll all these features into your own native mobile app under your brand it's like having your own silicon valley startup behind you with none of the headaches at Commercial, we use Mighty Networks to bring small business owners together so they can make better decisions, solve everyday challenges, and achieve their goals. Visit MightyNetworks.com to see more examples of brands bringing people together by events, classes, memberships, content, and more. Mighty Networks is the easiest way to take your business to the next level. It's time to start thinking about what you want to accomplish in 2019. If you're like a lot of the small business owners I know, hiring help is high on your list already. But what about the paperwork, the red tape, the legal hoops to jump through? Not to mention the money. Gusto makes it easy. We use Gusto to automatically file and pay our taxes, manage time off, and offer benefits plus listeners get 3 months free when they run their first payroll. So if you want better payroll in 2019, now's the time to start. Try a demo and test it out at gusto.com/whatworks. That's gusto.com/whatworks. So Let's get into some of the nitty gritty of how you actually market this business, because I know you've made some new discoveries in this area. And I think that you're approaching this in a really, really smart way. So recently, you've discovered that Instagram is a really important way to drive sales for your business. Can you tell us how you figured that out?
0: Yes. So I have a love-hate relationship with Instagram. I I love it for so many reasons that a lot of small businesses do, especially when you're selling um, products and specifically natural beauty, um, skincare, like those industries do extremely well on Instagram because they are so visual. Um, and that was why I chose Instagram. And I also, I, I enjoy Instagram for engaging with other brands and other people, both as a, just a person and as a company. And so Instagram has since the beginning been the marketing channel that I focus on the most. I have dabbled on Facebook and that's, you know, the secondary one to Instagram. And I've, you know, spent a little bit of time on Pinterest, but I always come back to Instagram because it is the place that I am um, deeply connecting with customers. It's a place that, um, you know, people will send me DMs that I didn't even know were, you know, paying attention to what I was doing. And um, for one example, GT's Kombucha, I think it was uh, earlier this year or late last year, they sent me a a direct message on Instagram and were like, Hey, do you want to do a giveaway, uh, like a partnership? And that came from Instagram. So, you know, I know that there's these really important partnerships that come from that, but at the same time, I hate feeling like I need to be on social media Mm 24-7. And so in an attempt, and so this is like the most recent kind of experiment that I had was, let me see what it's like to just go offline. Let me just see, even for my business, let me just see. And it's not going to kill my business. You know, it's not like, I know it's not going to destroy all this, all this work that I've put into this. It's just social media and it's just a break. So let me take uh, I think I did a total of like five weeks. I I had just set out to do July, um, the month of July. Um, but I did a little bit more than that. So about five weeks. Um and I didn't post on my personal Instagram where I do talk about my business, and I didn't post anything on Logan Body Co's Instagram either. And Um, I didn't know what to expect, but like I said, I didn't expect anything, you know, bad to happen really. But what I did notice is that I had no sales besides like wholesale customers, um, retail sales completely dropped off. And I should mention that I don't do any other paid advertising. So I don't do any like Google ads um, or Facebook ads or anything. So I don't have anything else running while I am um, taking this break. So Um, Yeah. So I realized that, oh my gosh, people actually are, when they don't see my content and they don't see my stories, they're not actually clicking over to my profile and then over to my, um, my website. So that was interesting. And I, I kind of knew to an extent that they were related. I had a feeling that Instagram, uh, was really helping with pushing traffic over to my website, but I I get traffic from other places as well. So I've done, um, I've had my, my products featured on different blogs and um, I, Facebook as well, like people are still coming from those places, but in terms of sales, they were just not happening. And so I was like, okay, fine. I will. So I, I came back to Instagram after that five weeks and I just came back in a a much more healthy way because um, when I first started my business, uh, so this, this year, what year is it? 2018? Last year? Like what, (laughs) what is happening? Like time has gone by so fast. Okay. So in 2017, I had basically, I made this commitment to myself that I was going to post on Instagram every single day. It was my first full year in business. And I was like, I'm posting on Instagram every day to build my brand, build that connection with my customers. Um, And so I did it every single day, even when I didn't feel like it. And at the time you could still, you know, there's like the Instagram schedulers and you could, you could schedule things out, but you had to still post them yourself. Mm -hmm. Now you can do it automatically. And I was like, wow, that would have been super helpful. So I didn't have to be on there all the time. Um, But yeah, now I have this healthier kind of boundary with um, Instagram where I'm batching my content. So I'm not going on I'm still going on Instagram every day, but I'm not hanging out there every day. And I'm kind of planning ahead and making sure that, you know, every other day there's something that's going up that's either educational or featuring a product um, or sharing a little bit more about, you know, my life and who I am as a person and the person who runs this company. Brilliant.
1: What are you using to batch your content now?
0: So I'm using later.com and I've really enjoyed their, um, their product because you can i've I've tried other ones and i'm sure they're all quite similar but yeah later has been the most fun it's very visual you can look at everything in a calendar which is works really well for my brain um and then you can have a preview of your instagram feed so you can also move things around and make sure that everything looks um good according to your your feed your existing feed
1: Oh, I'm gonna have to check this one out. I'm currently using Planoly and using it poorly, so (laughs) (laughs) I think I need to look at that. So, when you're thinking about that's such a perfect segue into what I wanted to ask next, which is you know when you're thinking about like what is uh, what your feed looks like, what you want it to look like, how you're communicating with people. Do you have a particular aesthetic for your Log and Body Co. account, or are you kind of just thinking more? Uh, functionally, how, how, what is going into your thought process behind the actual content that you're putting on Instagram?
0: So when I first started my business, I worked with a uh, brand, like specifically a brand designer. So she's a graphic designer with branding background, um, And so we went through and we created a whole um, like branding Pinterest board and create like, chose all the colors and the fonts and whatnot that you normally do when you're working on a new logo and whatnot and so I have this whole idea uh, of what I want the experience on Instagram as well as on my website to feel like and obviously I want them to feel the same and when it comes to posting content I have in general I have this kind of concept in my mind of how I want it to look. So for example, I want to have, I love, I don't want to have tons of inspirational quotes, but I want a couple. And I like them when they're um, just very minimal, where they're the white with the black text. So I I like to have those sprinkled in. I like to have more uh, plant ones where you can see, it gives more kind of visual texture to the feed. And then I have started putting more pictures of myself in it before, like when I first started, it was all just products. And I I was like so excited about having a new business and taking pictures of my products that it that's all it was, plus like some quotes here and there. And I didn't put my face in there at all. And that's been, you know, kind of a different challenge for me with putting my face on everything. But at the same time, I've seen how it has benefited because people are like, Oh, Hey, I know that person. I recognize that person. It's not just products. And, um, and so, yeah, so I, I do a combination and it's about, it's usually five different types of content. And like I said, it's the quotes and then a picture of me or like some adventure that i that I'm taking some kind of plant situation, um, products and like behind the scenes kind of like making as well.
1: Awesome. And you've been experimenting more with video too, right?
0: Yes. And so I've actually found that the doing stories, not only just with me talking, um, but also a little bit behind the scenes and using polls and all of that has been really effective in engaging my audience, sometimes even more so than just regular posting, which is why I've kind of pulled back on the consistent posting on my feed and I've spent more time on the video aspect. And mm. I've gotten more and more comfortable with being behind, well, I guess in front of the camera, technically, and like talking to my people and showing them different um, things about my business, like I said, behind the scenes or uh, whatever I'm learning in school. Like just putting the face to the brand has been really helpful that I've seen over the last couple of years, you know, from shifting just about products to me.
1: Gotcha. And do you have
0: a particular system for how you track results coming from Instagram? So there's a couple different things that I do peek at. Um I like I do look at Google Analytics and Shopify is what I use for my website. And so mm. when they're they're pretty good, um, they will tell you where your traffic has come from um, and they'll tell you how long people are spending. So I can kind of see the more that I post that more people are coming over from Instagram. I still get traffic from Facebook. But the interesting thing is that the people who come from Instagram not only purchase more than the people from Facebook, but they spend more time looking at my products and my content. So that is kind of why I decided to... You know, Facebook is kind of... I still put time into Facebook, but Instagram is where my best customers are coming from that are more engaged and so yeah i spend the most time there and then there's other kind of um there's other things that i look at for to see if something's working or not and so when it comes to doing video content um and stories i do a lot of polls like i mentioned and let's say i'm testing out a new product idea, or I have a new idea for an online or offline workshop. And I want to kind of, you know, see how that is, see how people are going to respond to that. And so it's really interesting. Like I love doing this because people are, people are on Instagram. Like they like it. They are just hanging out there anyway. And so I get a lot of responses from people who are looking at the stories. And so, um, for example, a couple weeks ago, as I'm working on a new body collection, And I wanted to know if people were interested in, um, you know, a bath salt that was, had more um, like peppermint or if they wanted something more floral. I, I tend towards floral, but most people don't actually. And so I was like, okay, that's really helpful. So I actually ended up doing both because it was kind of split into like, some people really wanted this more like pepperminty, citrusy thing. And then some people really wanted the floral. So I, I also use it for kind of you know gauging my my people and what they actually are interested in buying and i don't so i also take it with a grain of salt like i don't make decisions based on my mm-hmm. instagram polls but i do use it to gauge and i and i know who some of my best customers are and they do engage with me on instagram consistently and so i look and see like okay what did uh, this person vote for because they're engaging all the time so i'm like what did she vote for what did she vote for and um so I give though their um their votes a little bit more weight. And yeah, I could go I could go on a tangent in a in a good way. <laughs> I was just I was just gonna say, let let me just add like one small thing. Um so when it comes to doing surveys, I know that this is really common in business to um, survey your customers to make decisions about your business. And I will say that I I have done email surveys where I email my best, my best customers with a type form survey and ask them like, you know, like basic information about them and then ask them feedback about specific products and what they're looking for and um, all these different things. But I have found that the Instagram Like polls have been quicker, they've been more effective, I get more responses, of course, they're not as in depth, but I'm getting more like engagement from these people. And um, it's just really, it's been really interesting over over the last couple years of testing these different ways to connect and survey my customers. Yeah, well, I think
1: it's amazing the kind of transparency that Instagram gives you for the amount of engagement and, spe- like, specifically who's engaging and <laughs> what they're saying. Um, I don't know that there's any other platform where you can kind of have that kind of direct engagement. I think that um, Instagram on the surface looks like this very, well, superficial kind of social media platform like, oh, we're posting pictures and we're liking them. But the more I've gotten into it and the more I've made it my, core social media platform, the more I see how much frickin depth Mm -hmm. there is to Instagram. And so I think if, if you've been avoiding Instagram for that reason, I think there's a lot of reasons to get in there. To get talking to people, to get posting, regardless of if, if you use it personally or for business or whatever it might be, there's just there's a lot of richness on that platform that you wouldn't expect, and some of it is extremely business oriented. So I, I really appreciate you highlighting all of that. Um, I'd like to shift gears a little bit. And sadly, move away from Instagram and talk uh, talk some about events. You've missed. You've mentioned events a couple of times now, and I want to dig into that a little bit before we wrap up. So, you also do kind of in person events and online events to find new customers and grow your uh, grow your brand. What does a kind of typical in person event look like to you?
0: So there are a couple different types of in-person events that I do. So um, for example, this weekend, I am going to be at the Portland Night Market, which is kind of your typical um, vending experience. So I'm going to set up a table, I'm going to have a whole display, and I'm going to be selling my products to the people who are at the market. And this market is like insanely busy. So right now I'm working, and this is one of those weeks where I'm working more time than I normally would, um, because I'm redoing my display to make sure Mm. that people like get what I do from the get-go. So I'm working on a lot of new signage. Um, and so what I love about in-person events is you obviously make money. It's, you never know what's going to happen. Sometimes some events are uh, really busy and you make no money. Sometimes they're like dead and you still make money. Like you just never really know what's going (laughs) to happen. Um, so the one thing that I always do, no matter what at events, regardless if I'm making sales or not, is I have a sheet out or a, a notebook or uh, something where people can give me their email addresses. So I get tons of email addresses this way, and it's super effective. Um, the other type of, uh, in-person events that I do are these more like curated events that are, um, that, that combine an educational aspect to them. So it's either making a product or hearing more about um, seasonal living and natural skincare, um, or plants or herbs and those are much more effective than doing these vending events in terms of um, you know selling seats to them and then at the end it's amazing because people are like oh there are already a targeted audience who, are interested in what I'm doing. They're interested in natural skincare. That's why they're there. Um, for example, I've done you know like um, bath salt classes, and um, I've partnered with a local coffee shop, and we've done coffee scrubs. And then at the end, then I have a little area where I have my products and I sell my products. So those have been much more effective in terms of sales and um, collecting email addresses than vending at these random events. But I, I like to do both of them because they're both. Effective in different ways. And they're both important to, you know, being part of the community, getting out there and meeting new people and also having more targeted events that are more fun to me, and I think more fun for other people. Huh.
1: I would not have guessed that that would be your results from events like that. But I'm (laughs) super stoked to find that out. Yeah. Um, You've also been experimenting with online events. What's worked for you in terms of translating your in-person event experience to online events? Are you looking at it from a completely different perspective?
0: I feel like, um, so I've just started doing the online events and I've taken, okay, so to give you context on the in-person events where you're making stuff, that is actually not my favorite way to, they're very effective, but they're not my favorite. Like I, you have to order so much inventory and then like, you have to sell the tickets. And then the other events where I might not make as much money, but I just kind of show up and then, you know, people either buy it or they don't. And then you're kind of done. But when you're teaching these classes, like there's so much more prep that goes into it. So, um, I was like, how can I how can I take this online and kind of drop the inventory aspect of this? Like, how can I make this more profitable to me as a business um, and not really have to worry about you know providing things for people to make a product with? And so um, I've been doing teaching. The last one I did was a it was called Nourished, and it was an online workshop, essentially talking all about the different plants um, that you can infuse into your life during the fall season to kind of help ward, like build your immune system, ward off the colds and the flus that are going around. Um, and then I walked through some, um, like DIY skincare that you can make yourself. So like, I don't have to actually provide the stuff, but I showcase kind of how to go about buying them and where to buy them. And then the last part was about setting goals and intentions for the rest of the year. So, um i've I've run other classes like this before in person, and I really enjoy them. I don't have to bring a bunch of stuff. Um, but I do offer, so this is what I've been testing is I offer two different types of tickets to the class. and the one of them is, um, you know, the ticket to the teaching plus a product. So mm-hmm. whatever that product might be for that season because I'm gonna do these seasonally. So this last one, If you bought the teaching and the product, it came with a face mask. That was, you know, that's awesome for after summer and kind of nurturing and feeding the skin um, in fall. And so that's been awesome. That's worked really well. And then some people, of course, just buy the ticket because they're like, I already have a mask or they just, you know, don't need it. So that's been fun. And it's really nice to not have to, you know, it's just online. Like I don't have to go anywhere. It's so (laughs) nice. I love it. That's awesome. I and I love
1: I love that you've taken sort of the what you know works about these in-person events that you don't love and turned it into an online event that eliminates that component of it but keeps the stuff that works. I mean, that's such a that's a phenomenal lesson. It doesn't matter whether you're an herbalist or whatever your business is, if you've got something that you know works, but there's an aspect of it that you don't like, how can you rework it so that that aspect isn't in there anymore? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it seems like a no brainer, but I know people get so hung up on doing things that they don't like just because they work. And I love this as an example of the fact that that doesn't have to be the case. You can get creative, you can innovate and find a new way to deliver it.
0: Totally. Totally. Um,
1: so Kristen, this has been just a fascinating look inside of your business and how you manage finding new customers without marketing your life away. What's next for you and what's next for Log & Body Company?
0: So let's see, all the things. I So I'm in my second year of clinical herbalism school. And then next year is uh, the actual like clinical work. So I'll be working in the free clinic uh, in Portland. And then I'll also start taking on some of my own clients as well, which will be super exciting. Um, and then when it comes to my skincare line, so this is what I'm doing is like, I'm going to start shifting my business model a little bit away from 100% product-based business to uh, probably like half and half moving yeah. forward. So half skincare, still enjoy making it, but I, yes. So working with clients and teaching classes and workshops, um, super excited about that. And then, yeah, I have a a bunch of new products coming out for this winter season that I'm really excited about. It's been a long time coming. So that is what is happening, you know, in the next couple of months and then next year. So I'm pumped.
1: I am pumped for you, Kristen Runvik. Thank you so much for this fascinating conversation.
0: Thank you so much, Tara. It's been fun.
1: Find out more about Kristen Runvik and Lagom Body Co. at logumbody.co. That's L-A-G-O-M body.co. I've been interviewing business owners for this podcast for over three years now. We've shared some of their big successes with you, and we've pulled back the curtain on the nitty gritty details. We've even explored some big questions about how your approach to business and life changes the longer you're in business. Through these conversations, I've started to notice some very important patterns. It's often not a shiny new sales funnel, epic launch or foundational pivot that creates significant growth in a business. It's something much more simple subtle than that. There are small mindset shifts that make room for big results. I'm taking what I've learned both by interviewing over 160 small business owners and through my personal experience and cataloging these shifts for you in a brand new book. It's called Subtle, the small shifts that lead to big results. We're officially releasing it on November 28th, 2018, but if you pre-order before November 20th, 2018, you can get our full pre-publication bundle, including two live Q&A book club discussions with me for just $15. Go to co-commercial.co slash subtle to grab your copy. That's co-commercial.co slash subtle. That's it for this week's episode of What Works. If you love getting a behind the scenes look at how real small business owners are making it work, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening. We also appreciate you leaving a review and sharing the podcast with your friends or colleagues. What Works is produced by Rosie Medius and edited by Marty Seefeld. Kristen Runvik prepares our show notes. Our opening music is by The Shrugs and our ad music is by Marley Carroll. Tune in next week for another look at how small businesses actually work.